Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. A young girl's trip to the library starts a special friendship in The Tree That Sneezed, and it's the new book by Jacqueline McKenzie. Jacqueline is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Jacqueline, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you so much. So this is truly an interesting story. Can you tell me about The Tree That Sneezed? Well, it's like you said, this little girl who loves to read, and she goes to the library all the time, and she loves the trees that grow there. They're southern live oaks. Mm. And one day, she's standing under one, and she hears a sneeze, and she's 10 years old. And she looks, and anyway, as the story goes on, the tree begins to talk to her, to her total shock. Mm. And she stands there and the tree is talking and the tree sounds like a grandmother. Mm. And it's 100 years old. And she says, I'm so sorry. And as this story goes on, the two of them strike up a friendship and they decide they're going to keep it secret. (laughs) (laughs) But that's it in, in in a nutshell. Oh, I love it. How did you come up with this idea? You know, Writing comes to me like the story comes to me. It's almost like the story will choose me. Hmm. And one day I was actually at the library and it just started to come. I can't tell you other than that. And I see the words and in my mind's eye, they just fall. I can just see them. And my job is to catch them. Hmm. And so after I learned that writing comes to me that way, I don't question it and I don't hesitate now. When I see the words coming, I just stop and I catch them. I love the library setting. What is it about the library that makes it such a special place? You know, the one thing I can say is that as a child, I love the library. I still do. Mm. And I used to go all the time as a kid. And I think the uh, Southern Live Oaks come into play because I grew up in the uh, Southeast United States. Mm. And those trees are very common, like in Georgia, Florida, South Carolina. And I'm from Georgia. And I could see the connection to my childhood there and my love of reading. And I think that truly is where the inspiration came from. What's your writing background look like? Have you written before? Now, you know, it's interesting. I really am new to this, Hmm. and I think writing chose me. I didn't choose writing. Hmm. It chose me, and I had absolutely no idea I'd be an author, none. And after the story started to come, and I kind of, it's kind of like, where is this coming from? (laughs) And what I had to do, and it took time, I had to accept that writing chose me, and When a story wants me to write it down, I do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that truly is it in a nutshell. 
The name of Jacqueline's book is The Tree That Sneezed. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. And, of course, this is written by Jacqueline McKenzie. Jacqueline, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a really wonderful time talking with you. Oh, thank you. Pleasure of mine. Bye. I'd like to welcome author Deborah Gish to the Reader House Author Roundtable right now. Deborah, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you. Your new book is out there right now. It's called Amelia's Prayer. What's this all about? Well, this book, it's about a young girl. She has lots of life things going on, and uh, life is tough at times. It was tough for her. And she's a nurse in a hospital, and she works with elderly well, she meets this elderly lady that is just really, they just really become fast friends, even though this lady is very, very sick and she will not survive her heart condition. But this lady finds out that her nurse is a Christian and she wants her to pray for her grandson because she prays for her grandson daily and her, her grandson is still not, she feels he's not where he needs to be with the Lord. She loves him, so she wants, she prays for him. So she talks to Chris and gets her to promise that she will pray for him every day when she's gone, when, when this elderly lady is gone. So she makes that promise, but it's a promise that's very hard to keep because he is not very agreeable on anything. So they really, they really butt heads, but she sticks with her promise, even though it's hard. But it's really, it's really a good story. Sure sounds like it. Uh, where did the idea for this come from? Well, I'm not sure. I have lots of ideas. <laughs> I'm a retired school teacher, and I taught kindergarten, first and second grade most of my teaching years. Mm. And, uh, you know, you have to have something on your mind at all the time at all, all times to keep these little guys entertained <laughs> and inform them at the same time. Hmm. So I don't know. It just came to <laughs> me and I, and I like the story. So I began to write it and what starts out as a story will become a novel. Hmm. That's wonderful. So it sounds like you're just a naturally creative person. Well, I try to be. I try to be. I'm still, uh, even though I'm retired, I'm homeschooling my grandchildren. Oh, wow. And during, you know, this last year was really, you know, was really hard for everybody. But we did, were doing this already, so my grandchildren didn't miss any school. So is this the first book then that you've written? No, no. I have two others that are published, and it's, it's one and two of a trilogy. Hmm. All of Our Tomorrows is the first one, and the sequel is In the Potter's Hands. And then there is a third one that's that's in the works. Wow, wonderful. So you have a lot going on. Is writing a generally an easy thing then for you? Well, it is. It is. Uh, the first book I've, I've read and where people say, it, you know, they finished the book and, you know, they worked on it for eight years, seven years, 10 years. Hmm. But this one was finished from start to finish in three months. Wow. And the second one was probably six months because I had to take a break and take care of my sick mother. Now, Amelia's prayer didn't take very long, didn't take very long, four or five months. Uh, and then I have an, another one that will be submitted soon. It's called the Love's Healing Power. And that took about, oh, about three months to write. Hmm. I burn the midnight oil, always have. <laughs> so I think that's, 
I, I write usually at night when everyone's in bed. It's, you know, my husband is asleep and the two dogs, two little house puppies, they're in bed also. So they're not here begging for this or for that. So anyway, I'm, I write mostly at night. Deborah's book is called Amelia's Prayer. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing, of course, written by Deborah Gish. You can get this everywhere that you get your books at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Deborah, I had a really nice time chatting tonight. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, and you have a wonderful day. I'm talking with author Faith Tomistic Johnson right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Faith, thank you so much for joining me tonight. My pleasure. You have a new book out right now. It's on store shelves. I'm going to let you introduce this book. It has an interesting title. Okay, the title of the book is I Am That B-I-T-C-H Lady. And it's an acronym in my spirit that I received before I wrote the book that gave me the thing to do so. So the acronym B-I-T-C-H, I wanted to grasp my reader's attention because I've learned that extremely good and extremely bad gets attention. Mm. The mediocre don't. So I said B-I-T. So it stands for Blessed in the Church House Lady. So that's the, that's the title of the book. Mm. And what can readers expect when they dive into this? Well, they can expect a whole lot of stuff, Corey. When I first started to write the book, I was just going by visions and dreams that I had received. And being a Christian, someone really knowing God truthfully, not just in a religious manner. So what they can expect to receive is I really want to stand out the three steps that are land you the faith to accomplish and achieve anything in life. It's the one, two, three steps. And once they get into the book, it's an adventure, it's action, fiction and nonfiction, because mm. some of the visions were unbelievable, like, you know, nonfiction and stuff like that. But because it, it was given to me, it's a reality. Once they get into the book, they'll come out with the three steps. I call it, I'm all, I am always using acronyms and stuff. So BTO, which is Believe, Trust, and Obey. Mm. So you'll receive that. I try to get that through the whole book, but it's something to read. I'm looking forward to getting feedback. I've already been getting a lot of feedback from some of my friends and family that read it. They called me, told me how exciting they were, mm. and the book kept it captured their attention uh, all the way through the end. It's a it's a short read, but a big message that I'm trying to get my readers to come out with. And then I end up letting it be a journal because a lot of stuff I'm always writing down on little jots and pieces of paper. So at the end, I give them some ammunition to read to go on after the book is read. And then I give them an opportunity to write down their own visions and dreams that they may receive, or, or just general information to keep up with the course of study of their life as they go. And it's a year's journal. They can journal for a whole year. So that's a plus. And I hope they'll keep that as an heirloom, you know, to keep the book, you know, around for, the, you know, for their own history. Mm. That's really smart adding that journal element. It's that interactivity. You know, there's one thing to read a book and then put it aside. But there's another thing when you add that interactive element because you're, you're retaining that information and applying that information to your life in a more tangible way. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and even in the book, I ask questions. I didn't want it to be your normal, stiff-neck, uptight read. Yeah. I come out with a little comedy in the beginning, and then I lead up to uh, more acronyms. I am that focused, and focus using every letter of focus is another phase instead of a chapter. Mm. So I, I hope it's interesting. Uh, when I read it myself, it was interesting to me. <laughs> 
It's a short read, but a big message. It's called, I am that B-I-T-C-H lady. Of course, stands for Blessed in the Church House. It's written by Faith Thomistic Johnson, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop, too. Faith, wow, what a great time I had speaking with you here tonight. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Author Bradley Thomas just released a children's book. It's in the Adventures of Bob the Duck and Donkey series. This one's called Donkey Delivers at Christmas. I'm really happy that Bradley's here with me right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Bradley, thanks for being here with me. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate the invite. Absolutely. Can you tell me about Donkey Delivers at Christmas? What can readers expect in this? Well, they're going to find a group of animals that are doing what we all love to do at Christmas. They're decorating. They're getting ready to uh, put up a big Christmas tree. They're they're just enjoying the time. And you're you're going to see some pictures of some wonderful illustrations showing just how enthusiastic these animals are and just what happens when uh, Bob the Duck and Donkey start their adventure. Mm-hmm. Where did the idea for this story come from? Well, one night, my wife asked me to tell her a bedtime story, just out of the blue. It's not something we do on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. We're getting ready for bed, and she said, hey, why don't you just tell me a story? So I put myself all into it, and I started talking about uh, Bob the Duck and Donkey. She loves donkeys, and she's always talked about if she had a duck, it would be named Bob. So I decided, let's create a story, and this was around Christmas time. So I took them on their adventure to get a Christmas tree. And when I got done telling the story, I looked at my wife and she was more wide-eyed than when I'd started the story. I'd done a terrible job of putting her to sleep, but what I had <laughs> created was something that we felt like would be something that other people would enjoy also. Wow, I love the story behind that. Have you written before? What's your writing background look like? I have nothing published. I have spent a long time kind of dabbling, I would call it. I've mm -hmm. written some things here, written some things there, putting things together. I've reached out to a few publishing houses uh, just to see if there's any interest over the years here and there. And uh, really nothing has come of it. Uh, no harm, no foul. I've stayed with it. I've done a little bit of uh, uh, writing on different topics. And, you know, I've, I've had some aspirations of writing, but I never, I guess, in my wildest dreams thought that it would be a children's book. Hmm. Yeah, it certainly sounds like you have a creative knack for coming up with good stories, engaging stories. Of course, this is a series, so I would assume you have more planned. Well, Bob the Duck and Donkey, are they're pretty adventurous. So yeah, we, we wrote this book and we kind of uh, teased our audience. There's one animal in particular that you'll see in quite a few of the illustrations, and uh, this animal even shows up on the back cover. Mm. So if you're looking for the, the next in the series, uh, you might find it uh, evolving around that particular animal. I'll leave it to my readers to figure that one out. Hmm. You mentioned the illustrations. Can you tell me about that process and what that was like for you? Well, this is really the, uh, the, the pinnacle of the whole thing, because after I got done telling my wife the story that night, we talked about, you know, she loved the story. Uh, wouldn't this be wonderful to write? And we have a niece that uh, loves to draw. I uh, always wanted to be an illustrator, so uh, we pitched the idea to her. We said, look, we've got this story. We're thinking about turning it in. Uh, would you want to do the illustration? And, of course, she was just over the moon excited about doing it as we told her the story. 
she said, I already have these ideas in my mind of, of how I want them to look and what I want them to do. And so she took over the illustration part of it. It took her two or three months to do it. And she even created Bob the Duck somewhat in the likeness of me. He's kind of shorter. He's got glasses. <laughs> uh, she told me that she kind of created him out of my my persona. Wow. Well, Bradley's book is called Donkey Delivers at Christmas. This is part of the Adventures of Bob the Duck and Donkey series and is published by Christian Faith Publishing, of course, written by Bradley Thomas. You can find this everywhere that you buy books, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Bradley, thank you again for coming on the show. I'd love the book and hope we can chat again soon. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. Sitting down with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Patty Belton. Patty, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for calling. I have a new book that's out right now. It's called Leia and the Red Robin. Can you tell me what it's about? Well, my granddaughter's name's Leia, and it's about a, a robin named Brainy who is new to the Austin area. So she has gone to this new area and doesn't know any birds or any flock and just goes in search of answers so that she can build her nest and have a family. And it's just about that journey, the unusual friends she meets along the way asking questions. And eventually she meets Leia, comes upon Leia, and she builds a beautiful nest due to a nesting ball that she had hung in the tree. Hmm. And this nesting ball is full of different colorful feathers and ribbons and things just to help her make her nest. So she becomes an important part of her journey, and it becomes sort of a symbol of joy and love that other birds can pull from as well. Hmm. Is this your first book? Have you written before this? No, this is my first book. Oh, congratulations. Thank Getting you. That, that first one out there, that's a huge deal. There's yeah. a lot of work that goes into it. Uh, what, what was the toughest part about publishing? Oh, it wasn't so much publishing as getting the illustrations right. Hmm. It's quite a journey, but Fulton Books is amazing at helping you through that journey and getting everything done in a fairly quick manner. But I think just getting my idea correct and that the readers heard it the same way and saw it the same way as I was hoping Yeah, probably the hard part. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be kind of tricky to line up your words with the visual aspect and, and getting those in line. Right, because you definitely have your own vision how it should be portrayed. So mm. that's very true. Absolutely. Very true. Well, you're really wise to, to partner with a publisher, you know, someone who knew all the ropes and, and could tell you about all the obstacles and, and help you out along the way. Do you have any advice now for aspiring authors about to embark on that journey? <laughs> well, I've got two other stories that I'm going to publish. So it just for myself, I think it was reading it several times, having some other people read it through first to see if they're understanding it as you want them to. Hmm and then sending it through and just trusting the process. So they know what they're doing, they know in the order in which it should be, and just finding the right publisher is key. And they do all this amazing marketing for you, mm. so the story gets out there. Yes, wise words. So you just mentioned you have some more in the works right now. Is this along the lines of Leia and the Red Robin, or are you exploring other things? No, it is actually. So it'll be a series, all three about my granddaughter, Leia, it's basically kind of the world from her perspective. So if they buy the book, they'll notice that it's Leia looking out at things. So this one, she's looking up in the tree and it's her vision. 
The next one will be Leia and her first field trip, and she goes to an aquarium. So it will be the same type of situation where she's looking at a jellyfish display there, and it's from her perspective how she sees things. And the third one, same thing. So yeah, I'm just trying to have them in a certain sequence that makes sense about her age and how that there are different ways how people see things. Wow, that's wonderful. I'm looking forward to those. The book is called Leia and the Red Robin. It's written by Patty Belton and then published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere you get your books at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and down the street at your local bookstore, too. Patty, thank you again for joining me tonight. Truly a delightful book. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thank you so much for letting me in on the interview. It was a joy. I'm speaking now with an author who has truly experienced God's grace. I'd like to welcome God's Girl to the Reader House Author Roundtable right now. God's Girl, of course, that's a pseudonym. Pam, thank you for being here tonight. Oh, absolutely. It's a wonderful opportunity, and it's wonderful to speak with you. Mm. Now, reading about this book and about your story, I was really amazed at what's going on here. So could you tell everybody what the book's about? Oh, absolutely. My book is called My Little Purple Glittery Box. It is about my adventures with Jesus after I am a survivor of four traumatic brain injuries, and I am also a domestic violence survivor. Oh, my god! And after the last accident, I was told that that is it, your career. I have an undergrad in accounting and project management. Hmm. I was told my career is over. I would not have the ability to work. They weren't even sure if I would have the ability to have this conversation that we're having. They weren't sure. The, while the intellect was there, they weren't sure how well I was able was going to be able to communicate. Hmm. And obviously I am because that is also God's grace. And through that life-changing, my life stopped. Literally everything, job ended, no money coming in. I had neurophysical therapy, neuroocupational therapy. I am very blessed that I have a strong faith in God because God showed up and he showed out. Along with a brain injury comes a lot of anxiety and depression, and I, I didn't know where to turn. So I prayed for angels and I asked God, please guide me. So as we were walking together, Jesus literally would envision him holding my hand as I would walk into neuro-occupational therapy, figuring out how to organize things from A to B to C because I wasn't able to do that dealing with the physical pain and 10 emergency room visits in a year, I turned to God and he offered his son to me. And through the times of anxiety and depression and the old traumas coming back to me and just trying to make sense of my life, he gave me beautiful visions. And I describe one on the jacket of the book about Jesus and I, we would have adventures together and he would put me in my little purple glittery box because I'm very driven and I would try to control this. And he'd say, no, go climb in this box together, you and I are going to, we're going to drive through the world and I'm going to give you the opportunity to calm down and relax and rest in me. And one of the visions is on the jacket of the book and it, it talks about Jesus and I, and we would literally sit in the middle of a frozen lake and I would lay in my bed with him and I would envision us sitting there at a barista table drinking hot cocoa. And I would describe, he would have me look at the whipped cream as it was twirled and the cherries on top. And we would literally watch polar bears dressed in scarves and multicolored winter hats twirling on one leg and just watching them glide across the ice. And those visions with Jesus sitting there and all the pain and all the anguish and all the, the fear, he would calm me. Mm. 
and I started writing about it. At first, I had talked about my progress on Facebook to friends. People were people were scared. So I thought the best way to do this, and I had seen a friend do this with his his illness, is to to kind of catalog my experience. Mm. And I love to write. That's been my dream. God put that talent in my heart and said, "Use it. What are you waiting for?" Mm. And He also said, "Not only am I healing you, you are to teach people." Your writing is for a purpose. This is for me. This is my gift to you, and you're my ambassador now. And that's how he called me into ministry. I'm earning a Master of Divinity in Spiritual Formation, and I feel that passion in my heart. This is my life's work. The book is titled My Little Purple Glittery Box, written by God's Girl, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere. You can get it at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at iTunes, down the street at your local bookshop, too. Pam, thank you so much, uh, first of all, for writing this book, for sharing your life-changing story to the world and changing lives. It's been wonderful having you on the show. Thanks again. Thank you. God bless you, Corey. It was wonderful to talk with you. There's a miraculous story told in the new book by Paula Weidenkopf-Welch titled, I Believe in Miracles. Do you? Paula's right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Paula, thank you so much for being here tonight. Oh, you're welcome. Can you tell me what readers can expect in I Believe in Miracles, Do You? I think they will see the testament of what faith and prayer and community can do for people that are going through a struggling time, Mm -hmm. and they'll get support through prayer and asking for prayers. Mm -hmm. The story is something that happened to your husband here a while back, and uh, it was truly miraculous. Can you go into a little bit about what that was? When I first got the phone call that he had been burned, they originally said 80% of his body. Mm. And I knew normally people do not survive that. And so I knew his face wasn't burned at that time. And so I was already knew that was one miracle. Mm. And then when I spoke to him a little while later, about two hours later, and he told me and I could talk to him, I knew there was another miracle. And then as the story unfolds and through his first surgery and him even getting out of the five foot hole of the 140 degree brine, Hmm. he said that it was his family, you know, that got him out of there and thinking about his wife and children. And then all the miracles that came after that, all the leaps and bounds he made in the hospital stay and back to work in 82 days and with no limitations. Wow. Yes. So many miracles. About how long were you working on this? I started working on it after we did our speeches in Vegas, which was in 2015. People had told me to turn it into a book, but I I didn't know how to do that. And Mm. so... When I wrote the speech and Mark wrote and Mark spoke, and then after listening to our speeches and again, inviting my friends and close ones, loved ones to listen to our speeches, we were able to tape them in Vegas. And then people were just more, all of our friends and family were like, you should turn this into a story. But in the middle of all that, I had cancer and oh my. had a boat accident and open heart surgery, but I knew that I had to probably do a lot of the work myself Hmm. because no one was going to be reaching out to me (laughs) to publish this book. So I started it in October, Christian Faith Publishing. I sent the manuscript there and they picked it up and then that's kind of all she wrote. And then Hmm. with COVID, it was supposed to be close to being done in July of 2020, but 
it kept getting pushed out. You know, it just was, it took longer than we thought. But I think it, you know, in God's timing, it was all perfect timing. I think it's interesting. Uh, there was some journaling, and that was part of what this book became. Right, right. After my husband was burned on the 30th of May, and I had a close friend that was communicating through us with Caring Bridge about his wife that had cancer. So I was mm. familiar with it for about four or five months. And at this time in 2009, my husband and I, we did not have text messaging or anything. So I was getting phone calls on my cell phone. And so within the 20, first 24 hours, it was overwhelming all the people mm. that were calling. My brother-in-law ended up having an extra computer in his motorhome. They had dr driven up that day to Fresno. And I said, I, I need to set up a website where I can communicate with people. And I had no idea what that experience was going to bring me. Mm. Like I said in my book, uh, the more I wrote, the more people responded. I would just send out prayer requests. And it really just was a means of communication because we were four hours away or more from family and friends. Paula's book is called I Believe in Miracles, Do You? Of course, written by Paula Weidenkopf Welsh and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere you buy books at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Paula, thank you again for joining me. Thank you for telling this amazing story of, of the way that God works, the miracles that he can perform. I really enjoyed our conversation tonight. Oh, thank you so much. I'm sitting down with author Edna Buckle here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Edna, thank you so much for being here with me tonight. Oh, thank you for having me. You have a new book out that just hit shelves called Land of Sleep. Can you tell me what this is all about? So it's a kid's book. It's uh, based off of a little bedtime story I used to tell my son when he was just an infant, and I was desperate to get him to sleep. I would tell him, <laughs> it's time to go to the land of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> From there, I actually just kind of started spinning stories around it just to kind of keep him entertained a little bit. And I wrote it down, and that's where the book came out of. About how long were you working on it? I worked on it for about four months before I um, sent it to the publisher. Mm. Now, in children's books like this, the illustrations are super important. You have to line up the visual elements with the words and sort of your vision for the whole thing. What was that like for you? To be honest, I, I had somebody do the illustrations for me. They did a set of six pictures and they came out really well. They kind of went back and forth a little bit first in pencil drawing and then we filled in the colors. And for the person that did the illustrations just listened to me quite carefully and they did a great job. Oh, that's great to hear. What's your writing background look like? Have you published before, written before? When I was younger, I used to, you know, write a lot of poetry, but it wasn't something that was particularly published. I was an English literature major in um, undergrad, hmm. but that's not at all what I do now. <laughs> so how's it feel now? You know, it's been a long time writing, having that passion to write, and now you have a book out there. How's it feel knowing that now you got a published one? It feels amazing, to hmm. be honest. It's always something that I've wanted to do, and so to actually have it come to fruition is really, really quite amazing. Hmm. The publishing process itself can be quite trying. You got to have a lot of patience. It, it takes a lot of work. How would you advise aspiring authors? Is there anything you've learned and you could sort of pass on to them? I would say keep up with the, <laughs> with, the, with the little like time constraints that you get from the publisher. Mm. Because a lot of times between work and, you know, my son and everything like that, I'd be, I would let deadlines pass, and um, you really shouldn't do that. So I started paying a little bit better attention 
Mm. And it became a much smoother process. <laughs> yeah, I think you're really wise to partner with a publisher, you know, somebody that knows all the obstacles, knows all the timing and things you're going to need to do. So other than, you know, finding the time and balancing that life with writing, what else was challenging, would you say, about writing this or publishing this? I think mostly it was just the time constraints. Hmm. And then part of it also was just second guessing myself in terms of, oh, you know, put the wording here or put the wording there. It wasn't something that I had thought of. Hmm. And so because of that, I actually found myself having to go back and look at other kids books and be like, oh, where did they put this or how is this actually framed? Because it's not, it's not something I ever think about, you know, do you want it in the middle third of the page or the bottom third? I It never crossed my mind. Mm. I just thought you put words on a page and call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> Looking down the road, do you plan on putting some more out there? I would love to. I actually just had a, a little girl and she probably needs her own book too. <laughs> mm. Are there any ideas that you kind of have started right now and that you're working on or are you just going to see what comes up? I'm going to see what comes up. I tend to write in these like fits of inspiration and then go back and, you know, whittle it down, whittle it down, whittle it down. So right now the lack of sleep has eaten my inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Edna's book is called The Land of Sleep, of course, written by Edna Buckle, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can buy this everywhere you get books at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick and mortar stores, too. Well, Edna, thank you again for being here on the show. This is a great book, and I really had a nice time talking. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. The Adventures of Max, the Magical Spider, is the new book that's in stores now by Catherine Tchaikovsky. She's right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Catherine, thank you for being here tonight. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really happy about this. Can you tell me what readers can expect with The Adventures of Max, the Magical Spider? Oh, yes. Uh, he's going to have a lot of uh, adventures, and he'll be um, getting a new home already. What gave you the idea or the inspiration to write this? Yes, when I was working, I was working with drug and alcohol prevention classes in about 23 schools for two years. And one of the teachers said she wished I could be a good angel sitting on the shoulder of all of her students in her class and helping them make good choices. About how long were you working on this? Well, I worked for about uh, four months on the book. And is this the first time you've written a book? Yes. Mm. Congratulations. That's a big deal getting one out there and publishing a book. It takes a lot of work and you got to have a lot of patience. Is there anything you learned along the way that uh, you could offer as advice to aspiring authors? Well, yes. I think when people are writing books, they should never give up. Mm. And they should not fret about rejection. Because I had several rejections over the years. So I rewrote the whole book differently. Oh, wow. Yes. And I think if authors you know, get their family members and friends to read your manuscript and listen to their advice, that would be good. And if a publisher doesn't accept that, I think they should keep rewriting. And also, while my children and their friends loved the first draft of my book, but after those multiple rejections, I knew the whole storyline had to change. So I used the same characters and I created a whole storyline. Is there anything in particular that inspired this spider, which is on the shelf at a county fair, waiting to be won as a prize? Is, is there anything that sparked that? Well, yes. It's a good thing with, I, I created the fair and everything. 
and that was really nice. So do you have plans on writing more books, maybe getting more published? Well, yes, I will definitely be writing. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I started the second book already. I only have like one paragraph left. But then I was thinking about writing a series for early readers also. Hmm. And I also started writing a series for um, therapists and counselors to use with children that they work with. And then I'll put Little Max and the Furry Toy Spider in all the books. Mm. So you mentioned the early readers. Did you say that this is sort of the readership that is best for The Adventures of Max? Yes, yes. So often when you write, when you have that passion for writing, you also like to read. Are you an avid reader? Oh, yes. I love reading. Yes. How would you say reading has changed the way that you write or maybe influenced the way that you write? Oh, yes. It, it does influence my writing and everything like that. I've been reading mystery books and suspense and detective books. And, uh, you know, that's what I like, you know, because I like to figure things out. <laughs> it's called The Adventures of Max, the Magical Spider, written by Catherine Tchaikovsky and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this everywhere that you find your books, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and at your traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Catherine, thank you so much for writing this book, for coming on the show here with me tonight and chatting with me about it. I'd have a really nice time. Oh, thank you so much. A Labor of Love is the new romance novel by Leah Omar. I'm really happy that Leah is here with me right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Leah, thank you for joining me here tonight. Thank you for having me. Now, can you tell me about what happens in A Labor of Love? Sure. So A Labor of Love is my debut novel, and it centers around Kate, a woman from the Midwest, and she deals with some personal heartbreak back at home. And it really changes the course of her life. And her father convinces her to move to Tanzania for a few months. She is a midwife by profession. And she works in a rural hospital in Tanzania for about four or five months. And while there, she, uh, she meets the hospital founder, Dr. Andrew, and develops an immediate attraction to him. And through that attraction, she starts kind of changing everything that she thought she had wanted for her life and where her life was headed through the relationship she develops with him. How did the idea for this story come about? Yeah, you know... I've always heard as a writer to write the story that you'd want to read. Hmm. So I wanted a story told from the perspective of a person that I can relate to, but one that also kind of crossed different racial barriers. Hmm. So although it is a romance story, I wanted to dive into some heavier topics like what does an interracial relationship look like? Hmm. How does that affect the family? I'm in an interracial uh, relationship myself. So that was definitely kind of the inspiration behind the story, although the story is definitely not about me. Is there anything significant about Tanzania? You know, I love Tanzania, have not been there, but it did a lot of research. I've been to a few African countries, so I really wanted a place that had a lot of different cultures that has kind of hospitals showing up in rural areas, which Tanzania does. Mm. So that was my inspiration behind it. And then I have some Tanzanian relatives that I really relied on to give me the history of the region where the story is set up. Because although it is fiction, I wanted it to be accurate as well. Hmm. Now, this being your first novel, did it take you a long time to write? You know, so all writers have their own process. For me, 
I write really quickly. The idea came to my head. I was in the car one afternoon, headed up. I live in Minnesota. I was headed up to um, my parents' cabin. And I literally wrote the book in my head during that car ride. Oh, wow. Then I put pen to paper and I wrote the novel. And it's, you know, a 250-page book. And I wrote it in about two months. Hmm. But then it takes about two years to, yeah. you know, go through the the many edits find the publisher that works best. So the writing is the easy part for me. It's everything else to get it in people's hands that took, you know, the rest of the time. Mm. Yeah, the publishing process certainly can be trying. It takes a bit of patience. Do you have words of wisdom, any advice for aspiring authors who are looking to launch on this journey as well? Yeah, the one thing I wish I would have done differently is tap into the writing community early and often. Mm. It's a daunting process for everyone, but the writing community is brilliant and they're extremely willing to help out. Mm. So I have now found a great community in the social media world, you know, and so many people have given me great advice that will help with future novels because it is daunting and not all publishers are created equal. And Mm. we also need to find the best fit for us as an author. Mm. Absolutely. The book is called A Labor of Love. Written by Leah Omar and published by Fulton Books. You can pick this up everywhere you get your reading material at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, just everywhere. Leah, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a really nice time talking. Thanks again for having me. I enjoyed it. There's a worldwide epidemic with no cure. And Susan Wilson Kretchel, MD, brings further insight into this complex disease in her new book, How to Navigate the Minefield that is Dementia with Your Loved One. I'm really happy that Susan is here with me right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Susan, thank you for being here with me tonight. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Can you tell me a little bit about what you've gone into here with How to Navigate the Minefield that is Dementia with Your Loved One? Well, it's a book in three parts. First is the memoir so that the reader is able to understand who I am and who my husband was and our story in going through the minefield that is dementia. The second part is a scientific literature review that attempts to convey in lay language just exactly what the dimensions are, the research that goes into how to prevent it, how to treat it, and ultimately how to cure it. And then the third part is a roadmap on how to navigate that very difficult minefield. Hmm. And you've targeted this specifically for a lay audience, correct? Yes, that is correct. So about how long were you working on this? It, I, I would think that there would be a lot of research, a lot of moving parts involved. I would assume it took you a long time. Well, it took almost two years from mm. the time that I started it until the time it went to the publisher. So looking down the road, do you have plans for a next book? Well, I'm collecting material every day, which would allow me to do a second edition because the research into dementia is ongoing and very prolific. So I am collecting all of that data, and I can do the second edition of the world like the first edition. Hmm. 
So when you're writing, you do a lot of it. Do you have people in your life that can motivate you and encourage you? Because there's a lot of time, a lot of work that's involved, and you're often alone in that, just with your computer. So do you have people in your life that help you along? Well, certainly my husband mm. was the motivating factor. And he was with me for the first 18 months of the writing, and seeing him and helping him every day was very motivational. And my family was also very encouraging of my desire to help others to navigate that very, very difficult path. I think it's interesting you said, you know, this is a book for people caring for a dementia patient. But it can also help people who may not yet be in that situation. So can you go into that? Well, absolutely. It's not realized by many that dementia actually begins decades before the symptoms are apparent. Hmm. As we age, if we get old enough, we're very likely to have dementia. And that's not well understood. So... A book like this will help people understand how they can avoid and or delay becoming in a situation where they have dementia. It's called How to Navigate the Minefield That is Dementia with Your Loved One, written by Susan Wilson Kretschel, M.D., published by Christian Faith Publishing. And you can find this everywhere that you get your reading material. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Susan, thank you again for joining me here tonight. Thank you for putting out this really, really important information about, again, a disease that is not very well understood. It's very, very important work. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thank you very much. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll blush when you dive into A Widow's Tale. And it's the new book by Mary Ethelyn Whiteman. Mary is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Mary, thank you for joining me tonight. Uh, thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about A Widow's Tale? Well, it's a book I wrote for my family primarily. I've always told stories and I've always told my children and grandchildren what happened, you know, through life, for my life and their grandparents' life. At any rate, and so I wrote this so they would have a record. And then after I read it, this sounds terrible, I guess, but I really liked it. And <laughs> I wrote it so it's not real long. So that you could read it more than once in your life, you know, and have mm. fun reading. And it's really, I would say it's a history, but I've never been good at history, one and two. I don't like learning dates and things. But it sort of gives you the idea of what life was like in the 40s through the present day. Mm. And so I thought that people might be interested in that and like to read it. The main character's name is Penelope. Is there significance in that name for you? Well, I named, my husband was Charlie, and I needed to give him another name. I don't know why you have to rename them, but things that sound is when you write a book. So I named him Patrick. I needed something to go with Patrick, so I named her Penelope. There is no other significance, just that it kind of went with it. And Penelope, of course, is me. Mm. About how long were you working on this? Well, I guess I worked on it my whole life. I'm one of those people, I have an experience, I come home and write it down, because I don't really have a long memory. And so if I don't write it down, it's kind of forgotten. And then years later, I'll, I'll see something I wrote, and I'll say, oh, man, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Have you ever published a book before? No, this is my absolute first book. Wow, congratulations. A lot of people say they're going to publish a book, but they don't always do it, and you did it. Yeah, they say that all the time. Oh, I should write a book. I'm going to write a book. They don't do jack squat. <laughs> but um, like I say, I wanted I wanted the children to know the story, mm. and not that I haven't been telling them all their lives, because I have. But I, like, I'm a storyteller at uh, Vacation Bible School for mm. years, I I was a storyteller, and I taught Sunday school forever, and that kind of thing. So it's something I like to do. It's not something I felt was a burden, you know. Yeah, there's just something about writing. There's there's just a joy in the creation. There's a joy in the storytelling and then sharing that joy with others. Yes, I, I, I think you're exactly right. It's fun to put it on the page. You know, you see it, and you think, oh, good, I don't have to remember that now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I can refer to it at any time. Yeah. Oh, so what's the possibility of getting more books out there? Well, I love the murder mysteries. So I decided a few years ago, about 10, I guess, that I was going to write a murder mystery. And I did. Mm. And by the third page, anyone who read it knew who the villain was. So it wasn't too good, you know. I have written a dynamite first page for a cruise murder mystery. First page, grant you. But still, I'm going to work on that, and I am going to I'm going to work on it until people don't get it until the end. <laughs> but I might be good. <laughs> we'll see. Hmm. Again, Mary, your passion, your creativity, and your energy are just contagious, and I'm sure the readers are going to find that in your book as well. It's called A Widow's Tale by Mary Ethelyn Whiteman, published by Christian Faith Publishing. And you can find this everywhere that you buy your books. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Mary, thank you again for being on the show. It was certainly a delight talking with you tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed myself. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.